This is the FutureX podcast. In each episode, we interview a platform designer, author, or publisher. They'll talk about how to build online communities that are diverse, welcoming, and safe. Now, here's our host, Lee Schneider. Welcome, everyone, to the FutureX podcast. I'm Lee Schneider. In today's episode, you'll meet Ever Gonzalez, a self-described filthy capitalist with a hippie heart. Ever is the founder of Outlier HQ, a media and events company, and Ever hosts the popular Outlier on-air podcast and runs Founders Weekend and the Outlier Podcast Festival. I'm going to speak with him today about how to organize events and why you'd want to do one. Hey, Ever, welcome to the podcast. Lee, thank you for having me. This, it's been a while. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. Yes, we've spoken so much on the phone, but I don't think we've ever done a podcast together. So I don't think so. It's funny. We talk about podcasts all the time, right? and, <laughs> and that's that's been our world, and, and this is the first time we hop on one. So here we go. We'll, we're breaking new ground here. That's right. So in the past two years, we got used to events being online. Maybe some didn't, but a lot of us did. But now more events are going live and in person, and we're trying to figure this new landscape out. What's going on here? Uh, and you wrote a blog that really caught my attention, a newsletter slash blog, that really questioned whether bigger is better in events. You know, maybe events don't all have to be huge to be a success. And you proposed this idea of a micro event. So first, let's define that. What is a micro event? Yeah, it can be anything as small as two people, right? It can be very informal. It can be just a, a group, a gathering of like-minded individuals uh, focused on one topic or one cause. And so that's that's my definition of micro events, right? I think I've, I've been in the event space for 10 years now, and, and we've hosted small events, medium events, larger events. Um, but to me personally, in my style, and what I, I see the most success in is these micro events. They seem to, um, I don't know, our, our audience and our, and our attendees seem to engage a little bit more when they're micro events because the pressure's off a little bit for them to hit everything and it's not as intimidating. Um, and so one of the reasons I wrote the, that piece, the micro events piece is I think that a lot of podcasters, entrepreneurs, anybody really can benefit from, you know, these micro events. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be very structured. It's just, you just need to go out there and put them together and see what happens and engage with the audience and see what they want and then adjust accordingly if you want to continue to do them. And that's what we've been doing since since day one. We've been doing this, like I said, for 10 years now. Mm. I like the idea of pressures off. You know, when I go to an event, you're having one that I'm going to show up at probably. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, I got to buy a new shirt. Like, are my shoes, <laughs> any, are my shoes uh -huh. any good? You know, uh -huh. because we've all been doing what we're doing now, which is doing stuff on a computer for a couple of years and only edging into the real world. So the idea of this is not high stakes, the pressure's off. I kind of like that. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't know what I am. I don't know if I'm an extrovert or an introvert. I, I think like most people, maybe I'm a little bit of both, right? There are times when I feel great and I have all this energy and I want to go and engage with, with large groups and large crowds. Uh, and then there are other times when I'm a little bit gun shy or just not feeling well enough or just for whatever reason, right. It's not the right shirt or the right shoes or whatever, uh, that I don't feel like, like I want to engage as much. And it, it's funny, although I have all the confidence in the world when it comes to my events and the things that we're doing, I did notice 
the the first event that we had post pandemic so it was uh, here in Austin Texas last May it was our first events in person since doing a, a bunch of virtual events um, for the two years and and again I'm usually pretty good and, and happy because it's is my my group my crowd my attendees my speakers that I know usually pretty well uh, I was I was not myself I was very nervous I was uh, not as confident at that time. And, and we both know Ariel Nisseblatt, who's one of the co-creators. I, I let her do all the emceeing, all the hosting, all the things. Mm-hmm. And I kind of sat back in, in, in the background a little bit and I wasn't feeling myself. And I'm assuming it's because all the virtual events, not meeting a lot of people in person for a long time, just kind of affected me in a, I, obviously in a negative way. But uh, we're, we're back on track. We're hosting two more events this year. And um, three more events next year. And so I'm hoping to kind of get back on, you know, my usual hosting, uh, and kissing babies and shaking hands like, <laughs> like I've done in the past. Uh, but yeah, I think it's affected us, all of us. And, and I think easing into it with micro events, if you're a host or micro events, if you're an attendee, uh, for me is, is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you in that. It, there's this big idea of we're among friends, Mm-hmm. And in a small group, there's a vibe and outlier. And what you've done so well, and Ariel together have done so well, is create this vibe of we're among friends here. It's okay. You know, what happens, happens. And we're all going to support each other. And larger events don't have that. Larger events, it's a lot harder to get the vibe. It's a lot more performative. It's a lot more stagey in a way. I was doing a podcast recently as a guest, and I thought I was going to be the only person, and it turned out to be kind of a panel, and then they were going to have people in the audience ask some questions, and I said, before I did it, hey, wait a minute, what is, I thought I was, I thought it was just going to be me, Uh (laughs) and, you know, they had to reassure me and say, no, you know, it's, it's going to be friendly, so this whole vibe thing, although hard to pin down, the whole vibe thing is super important for attendees and organizers, for you to somehow project out the vibe that you want people to get is a skill, a, a real skill. You, you've you had it, you know, and I don't know what the secret sauce is. Maybe you have some ideas about that. Good question. I don't know that I have the answer, but two things that, that come to mind is, first of all, I think we are very lucky that we are in this industry. Podcasters in general seem to be friendly. We're not competing against each other uh, for the most part for downloads or exposure just without us doing anything everybody that comes to our events uh seem to want to get to know each other seem to want to help each other and and again without us doing much it's already happening so that that creates a vibe that is friendly and and inviting which we like Uh, a couple of things that we've done on purpose that have seemed to work is you know we we try to play it fast and loose with our events where it's not very structured um you know, obviously we have a schedule and, and things like that, but um, we want it to feel more like it's it's not it's more casual and oh hey look we're doing something on the main stage we have a couple of breakout sessions go if you want or stay on the outside and, and talk to your new friend uh, and and so that's worked as well and for a couple of reasons we don't have big stages we don't have all the fancy lights all the all the bells and whistles we have a stage. Sometimes we don't even have a stage, but we have a stage, a microphone, and the person, and that's it, right? We have our outlier flag in the background. We don't have fancy uh, branding or anything like that. We just kind of 
um, set it up that way just because I like that style and because it seems to work with, with our attendees and our speakers. Again, everybody seems to be a lot more relaxed. They come, they speak, they do their thing, and then they, they get to hang out with the rest of the attendees. And so that's one of the things that I think that we've heard. I mean, now that I think, I know that we've heard uh, feedback from our attendees saying, hey, that was great. I got to meet so-and-so and it wasn't very intimidating uh, and they had some good stuff to say on stage and now we're friends or now we're, you know, now we're partnering on this and that. And those are the, that's the kind of feedback that I love. Uh, and so we try to build a program and create this platform that uh, helps everybody just kind of stay at ease and come and enjoy and get as much as you want out of it or not. Uh, but you'll know that you're amongst friends. This non-competitive thing has always been so uh, powerful and important to me in podcasting because I come from a TV film background and mm -hmm. of course it's incredibly competitive. It's very cutthroat, but podcasting has never been like that. I've always liked it for that reason. Yeah, it's similar. I, I came from the, the startup world, entrepreneurs, and, and although they're a great group and, and they help each other as well, it's not nearly uh, close to the level that podcasters, uh, and not just in my events, when I go to other events or other group gatherings, uh, they seem very friendly and, and eager to help in any way. So let's talk about as a participant, turning the spotlight a little bit. As a participant, you're going to a micro event. What are you going to get out of it? And I think of, I used to go to really big events for television sales and stuff like that. And it would be kind of gearing myself up. I'm going to meet five new people today. I've got a stack of 25 business cards. I'm going mm. to give them all out today. You know, this is sort of like, let's go. It's go time. But I don't know, is it like that for a micro event? And as a participant, how should, what's your mindset when you go into it and what should you be trying to get out of it? I mean, it, it can be like that. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but, I but I think, I, I think that uh, for micro events, it's for the events that we host and, and the events that I like to go to when, when there are these micro events, it's the the networking in a non-networky type of a setting, right? I'm not passing out my business cards. I'm not trying to be salesy. I'm not trying to, to do all those things. It, I think we can smell those people from a mile away now, right? I mean, we've all become uh, savvy enough to, to be able to know, hey, this guy's just here to meet people and see what he can do to kind of advance. But uh, uh, at our events, we try to make it as um, I, I wouldn't say competitive free or, or not salesy because we definitely want to sell at our events. We want our, uh, our speakers to, you know, sell their products or their services or their podcast from our stage at the end every once in a while and definitely in one-on-one -on -one conversations. But I, I think that just being able to kind of show up and not only take stuff from the stage and from those around you, but also be able to, to give back, right? If I go to a micro event, I have some expertise in certain topics and certain things it's going to be easier for me because again because the pressure is off to uh, give back whether i'm answering a question uh, you know an audience question or, or something like that as opposed to a huge event where it's a lot scarier for a lot of people it, i know it is mm. for me it's it's a lot more intimidating i don't know if i come with a spirit of giving and receiving it seems to to work out in, in my favor and that's what i see most in the attendees that show up right I can tell some of them are a little bit more intimidated, but they come, they see the, it's a smaller group, it's a different vibe. And so they open up a lot more. And, you know, I've said this before, even at our, uh, the feedback that we get, it's, it's somebody saying, Hey, I don't usually participate. I don't usually ask questions. I don't usually introduce myself, but it was such a relaxed environment, rich with 
good content and good networking, but it was such a relaxed environment that I was able to speak up and make connections. And, and I think you need to kind of put yourself out there a little bit more and micro events, micro events seem to uh, be the answer to a lot of those type of people. Yeah. I'm glad you're saying that because the comfort level allows people who might not normally speak out to mm-hmm. speak up, to speak out. And, and everybody has something to, um, you know, again, an expertise that they can, that they mm-hmm. can share. And, and it just kind of elevates the entire event. If, if more people, more voices are, are being heard. Yeah, exactly. The best thing is people asking questions. You know, it, yeah. the, the thing that, it terrifies me at the end of a talk or a class if I say, okay, who has some questions? <laughs> Crickets, you know, nothing. Uh-huh. It's like, then I don't feel uh-huh. I did my job. You're like, oh, no, yes. <laughs> it's like, it's much better when people ask questions. So let's let's switch the spotlight a little bit and think about what is involved in putting together a micro event? Now you've done medium, large, small, you've done, you know, 10 years, as you said, various kinds of events. So highlight for us some of the differences between these micro events and podcast festival or something like that. Uh, yeah, the, the, the micro events, are obviously a lot easier to put together. Uh, again, it can be as small as 10 people. Uh, we like our sweet spot for our podcast festivals is 200, right? But, uh, we, we just keep it simple. What, what are we doing? We're talking about podcasts, how to start, how to grow, how to monetize, how to you know be better storytellers. All that leads back to podcasting. And so we're not trying to talk to podcasters and entrepreneurs. We're not trying to talk to podcasters and you know some of these other different groups. Keeping it simple and on target is the number one thing, I think, that we need to focus on if we're going to be hosting these, these micro events, right? People know what they're going to get. Uh, if they show up, what they're going to learn, hopefully those type of things. And so not getting too complicated with all the new technology, not getting too complicated with all the bells and whistles um, can kind of save you a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources as a, as a host. And just kind of working with know who your your target audience is, right? Again, podcasters, newbies, uh, those that are have been in the industry for a while uh, and create programming to uh to kind of help them. And and when we talk about micro events, again, it can be anything from, hey, we're going to meet at a pub for two hours, or it can be, I'm going to rent out a venue and host an event. Uh, it, it's a lot of different things. But as a host, you just need to know what the what the goal is, what, what you want the outcome to be. And if it's something that you want to continue to do, right, at the end, at the end of the event or post email, um, have a call to action. Hey, if you liked our event, sign up to our online group or sign up for my coaching program or whatever it is that you want the outcome to be. You just, you just have to be very uh, focused on what it is and execute one thing and one thing. Well, yeah, you brought up a couple of things. there. so important. One is to decide who is this for you. You are kidding yourself. If you say, well, it's for everyone, everyone's going to love this. (laughs) That that usually doesn't work. Does not work. No (laughs) better to, to really dial in who you want to talk to here. And I think another thing to think about, which is so important, and you do this well, is what's the after? What's the call to action? After the event's done, what's the follow-up? What do you want to get out of it? And I think that a lot of people don't think about that enough. The answer is 
you have an opportunity since you've built this community to extend this community, to sustain this community. There's dialogue that can happen after the event. That's good. You know, people become friends. There are alliances made. People start businesses, whatever it might be. Have you found that to be the case? And also, how are you nurturing that kind of stuff? Yeah, for a long time, we weren't taking advantage of that, right? A, a mm. lot of people come to our events, they paid the money, they spent the day with us, or, or two days, whatever it was. Uh, and then at the end, I'm like, okay, great, have a good time, we'll see you guys next time. And that was it, right? And we were missing mm. out on a lot, of, a lot more that we could have done. And so now, our call to action is, hey, you've come to our events, you stayed here the entire time, now what, right? They're eager to to learn more or to engage in, in other ways. And so um, we, we've done a couple of different things and sometimes it's a different focus, but we're trying to build our online community, right? We want these these attendees to communicate with each other uh, post events uh, and throughout the year. Uh, and so we, we invite them to join us in Facebook groups or, or these different type of uh, uh, settings on Discord and places like that. And then we also talk about our next event. So we do three a year, usually January, May, and September. And so, you know, at the end of January, we're like, hey, we're going to be in Toronto, Canada in September. Mm-hmm. Sign up now or do this. Or, or if you want to speak, you know, submit your application here and this. So we're capturing a lot more information from our attendees. We're engaging with them post events as well. And that has really elevated us in the last couple of years because we've done that. Um, we, in the beginning, we just wasted a perfect opportunity to have these people that already paid money and were already with us to take them to that next step. And, you know, we, we try not to be too salesy. We try not to be too pushy. We're just like, this is us. This is what we have to offer. We would love to have you join us. And we're, we've been getting a lot of great feedback and we've been able to grow our newsletter, um, uh, tremendously since, since we kind of had a call to action. So a call to action, no matter what you're doing, very important. And what does it mean? A lot of people say, make it great, make it great content. Whatever you do, it's got to be great. But what does that really mean to you? How would you tell if for someone, say, putting on a micro event for the very first time, and they're tasked with this idea of it's got the content has to be great? Well, what would that be? Yeah, it can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different groups and a lot of different people. Obviously, I'll take my my events, uh, for instance, it has to be great. It has to be something that my audience who are indie podcasters can either learn from, or, you know, it's going to be something that, that it's going to help them in their, in their career, how to be better storytellers or the kind of tech that they should be using for their podcast. Uh, so making it great is my attendees walking away, having learned something, not just being entertained, you know, although that's important and we want that, but they, I want them to be able to walk away saying two things. Oh, Hey, I made a great friend at the LA podcast festival and, or, I learned how to do this at the LA Podcast Festival. So teach something. You, as the host, you don't have to teach something. You can if you want to. Get your your speakers, pick your speakers carefully and the topics carefully. Uh, and hopefully because you know your audience well enough, it's going to align with what your audience wants. Uh, and then uh, that that's it. It can be a talk. It can be a panel discussion. It can be a video. I don't care what it is, but if you know your audience or you think you know your audience, put them together that they're going to be able to walk away and learning something. And guess what? Your first micro event or your first event in general, if it doesn't really connect with your audience, you, you learn the lesson. And ask your audience. Hopefully you capture their email addresses. 
email them afterwards saying, hey, how did that work for you? What'd you like? What'd you dislike? And hopefully you get responses saying, I was hoping to learn more about this or this and this. So now adjust your programming to, to fit the audience and the feedback that you're getting uh, for your next event. And, and you know, we, we've tried a lot of different things at our events. Some of them work, some of them don't. Um, and we adjust accordingly. One of the things that we stopped doing early on at our events, and we've hosted 200 plus events in, in 10 years or so, is that I've learned that, especially my audience, they don't want to hear from coaches and they don't want to hear from motivational speakers. Not a knock on those people. They're needed and, and they're great in, in different settings. My audience, for whatever reason, does not uh, connect with them, right? They want people in the trenches. They want to hear from somebody that's building a podcast or building a podcast company or learning how to be better storytellers. And they happen to have a story to tell or uh, a lesson to teach. So we we grab people from the trenches. They come and speak. Uh, a lot of our attendees have become speakers in following, you know, the following year because I, I like picking people that, again, are are doing it day day in day in day out, as opposed to just kind of teaching it from from afar. Uh, and so it, it, you just have to know your audience. Asking a lot of questions uh, is the way to go. And what's the best way to promote? What has been most successful for you to get people in the room? We are horrible at social media, right? <laughs> you would think that we should be better at social media. We are not. I don't like it as much. I don't uh, engage with it, with it as much. And obviously, it, you can tell by our social media handles. Um, so, you know, we, we do promote it online and, and do those things. But the things that have worked with us the most are three things that, that are uh, the best for us. It's... Uh, word of mouth. So those that attend talk about it to their friends and, you know, they, they say they had a great time and they had a, uh, they learned something and they made a great friend there. And so now that person, when they hear about us, they, they come back and they try to engage. Um, one of the, the other thing is our speakers, right? We, we mm -hmm. encourage them to share that they're going to come speak. So our next event is in May in LA, all of our speakers in, in, in LA, we're encouraging them to share that information with their audiences, right? We didn't build their audiences. They've already built their audiences because they're podcasters and creatives and they have followers. And so now, you know, um, somebody that's going to come speak uh, has, you know, 500,000 followers on all the social medias. And so now they're posting our logo on their, on their channels saying that they're going to come speak. And so that's another way to grow our audiences. We encourage our speakers to share. We encourage our attendees to share that they're coming. Uh, we try to make it as easy for them as possible. Uh, but where we get our most sales is our our newsletter. Right? Mm -hmm. Our newsletter is not it's not huge compared to industry uh, standards, but uh, it's very engaged. And so every time we we post or we send out an email saying we have a new event coming out and it's you know tickets are available and early bird or whatever, uh, we get a lot of sales from it. And so we're focusing on our newsletter a lot more. We're putting a little a little bit more time and resources into it because. Uh, it's our number one driver for sales and, and information. We do that a whole lot better than we than we do social media. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I've always known that newsletters are one of the most effective ways of communicating because they're not as a distractible kind of a media. Mm -hmm. uh, social media, there's lots of other things pulling at you. But usually when you're reading a newsletter, that's what you're doing. And you can get a little deeper content in there than say social media. 
Yeah, email is not dead. Email is not dead. Not for us. Not for a lot of people that I know. And I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to be dancing on TikTok trying to get people to come to my events, right? I'm, <laughs> I, I don't need 13 year olds coming to my events. The the people that I want in my events, they're they're email focused and they're still opening up our emails. And um, again, we're adjusting to who our audience is. If I wanted 13 year olds to come to my events, then yeah, maybe I would focus on dancing on TikTok and things like that. But luckily, that's not the case. And so, just go <laughs> wherever your audience is. Right. What should people do to keep their events safe, welcoming, and diverse? And what are you doing? We try to uh, invite people that we know, right? We try to have speakers that uh, I, I know at least at a, uh, at, at a basic level. Uh, and that seems to attract the right type of uh, people that are open-minded and, and want to come to an event like this. But diverse for us, uh, I obviously have specific political views, religious views, life views, like everybody, uh, like everybody does, right? And so I try to get out of my own echo chamber, right? I, I want to hear a, uh, somebody that disagrees with me on a certain topic. I want them to come speak on my stage, even if I disagree with them on a lot of these different things, even if I disagree with them in their podcasting approach in, in general, right? I, I want the audience to kind of pick and choose what they like. And Having a lot of different diverse backgrounds, diverse ideas, uh, uh, diverse experts kind of helps us grow in, in a way that uh, lets everybody know that, hey, it's okay to have a, um, a different opinion, uh, a different way of doing things, but we can all kind of come together and talk about it and even debate about it, which I, I love. I want people mm -hmm. to debate about it in a, in, a, in a good way, right? In a comfortable way, in a non-aggressive way and and We've had that on stage several times for with some of our panel discussions and, you know, with our, the way our audience asks questions. And I like that. And I think it's the way to go. So I, I try not to stay within my own um, echo chamber because I think that that's, that's it's not the right way to go. And so we, we try to reach out to different ideas, different groups and different people. Uh, and it's worked for us so far. Yeah, I would say. Again, getting back to the comfort zone of the people who are there and whether people ask questions. If there's radio silence, if there's crickets, after you finish the talk, something's wrong. Yeah. But if there's some kind of discussion, something happening, and people feel free and comfortable and safe to ask questions, then something's right. Then it's working. Yeah, and I'm a contrarian by nature, right? I want somebody, <laughs> if I'm giving a talk, uh, or a presentation myself, I want. Uh, I like it when somebody stands up and says, "Hey, actually, have you thought about doing it this way or that way?" Or mm -hmm. I, I completely disagree. I think this and that. And if we can have a, a good discussion, I'm all for it. And so I want that with my events as well. And uh, we've had those moments, and you know, they can get a little tense sometimes. But overall, it's you know, nobody's insulting anybody, nobody's fighting, nobody's doing these things. Um, I would rather have that than complete silence. That's for yeah. sure. And, and I'm not trying to build controversy for the sake of controversy or have these manufactured events where, you know, I know that they're going to come and, and fight about it. No, no, I, I just want different ideas. Um, and, and it can be done and it can be done properly and professionally. Uh, and I think that just kind of adds a little bit more to uh, the, these micro events that we host. Everett, thanks so much for doing this today. It was really great. Appreciate it. It's always good to hear from you. I, uh, I enjoyed this conversation. I think micro events are the way to go with a lot of uh, podcasters, entrepreneurs. Uh, thanks for uh, kind of picking up on 
on the the subject uh, i think uh, a lot of people can can take a lot about of this so thank you so much you got it yeah it's certainly look i read it in the newsletter right email that's right <laughs> and so it it works it email, works email email's not dead <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Future X Podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, or anywhere fine podcasts appear in your feed. Post a comment on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it on the show. For more info about Future X, visit futurex.studio.